one constant through all the years, Ray. Beyond the game. The ladies are digging my sweet face. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. You like that? You like that? That is a career render, just like this show. You're already famous in Rochester, the Watch Out World. It's a faith-based sports radio program. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome to the program. I'm Rick Benson. With me is Zach Barletta, and this is the Beyond the Game program. Sports talk without the trash talk. Coming up on today's show, we have not only one guest, but two. Two great guests. And it's fun for me because both are good friends of mine who do very similar work. They are busy following Jesus' instructions to make disciples. Both former Major Leaguer Don Gordon and Pastor Mike Metzger, who are good friends themselves, have used the game of baseball to reach men and their families with the gospel. We'll hear from them coming up. In fact, Mike actually stopped by the studio to record his segment earlier this week, and it was kind of cool, Zach, as he sat right about where his son Darren was sitting when he was part of our program before moving out west. So seeing Mike there where Darren was was kind of cool. There are two verses of Proverbs which come to mind when I heard about Cam Newton's response to a female reporter earlier this week. Because the woman, who, like so many people, got upset quickly and was, of course, offended, I thought of Proverbs 14.29, which says, He who is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who is quick-tempered exalts folly. I'm not sure that in that setting I would have said what Newton said, but I also don't think it's worth getting all riled up over, because if that is the worst thing that ever is said about you and your life, well, then you've lived a pretty good life. More on that in a minute. But I also thought about Colossians chapter 4, verse 6, which says, Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. I have no idea if Newton was trying to bring a little humor into the conversation, but it apparently didn't go over all that well, which is something I've done numerous times. You know, you try to say something witty, Mm -hmm. you try to be funny, you try to lighten the mood, and you only end up putting your foot in your mouth Many of us, myself probably at the top of the list, should have Colossians 4, 6 memorized so that we can apply it whenever we speak, which obviously Cam Newton did not. But a female reporter earlier this week asked him a question at a press conference. She referred to a receiver's physicality of roots and asked Newton if it gave him, quote, a little bit of enjoyment to see him kind of truck-sticking people out there. To which Newton replied, it's funny to hear a female talk about roots like that. I know you take a lot of pride in seeing your receivers play well. Devin Funches has seemed to really embrace the physicality of his routes and, and making getting those extra yards. Does that give you a little bit of an enjoyment to see him kind of truck sticking people out there? It's funny to hear a female talk about routes. Like It's funny. Now, I would expect any female in that particular setting, remember this is a press conference, she'd be very knowledgeable about sports. And while there are a great number of females who are knowledgeable about sports and may even enjoy them, that's not your average female. Right. Most are indifferent when it comes to sports. My wife is pretty knowledgeable. She likes to keep up, but she does it out of her love for me. She wants to connect with something that she knows is important to me. Otherwise, she's not going to have much interest. 
The thing is, she used a phrase, truck-sticking people out there, which while I'm not sure it's literally humorous, it's kind of unusual to hear from a woman. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you use, well, it's not funny literally, but it is kind of funny to hear a woman say it. Truck-sticking is not something women say. Cam Newton acknowledging that fact is not an outrage in my opinion. But again, in a press conference setting, I would expect women there to be familiar with such phrases, regardless of whether or not they use them regularly. Twitter, as you might expect, exploded with expressions of how offended people were and criticism of Newton's outdated views and acting, quote, Neanderthal-like. Cam said what a lot of people were thinking, but because, especially because he is the lightning rod that he is because of the way that he behaves, uh, I think it just... It got blown up beyond what it needed to be. Whether or not that's all true, it still doesn't change the fact that women don't commonly use phrases such as truck-sticking people out there. I mean, maybe some do, but it seems out of character for most women to me. And maybe I am a Neanderthal to which I'm offended by such a characterization. (laughs) Look, I'm really not defending Newton here. I'm not. I, you know, I'm sure he wishes he hadn't said it where he said it. And if he knew he was going to get this reaction, obviously mm-hmm. he wouldn't. But in light of everything, that just seems like such a small deal. Come on, people. Is, is it possible? Is it possible to hear something said which you find to be out of line without taking it to trial over social media? Not Does anymore. Does everything have to be tried on social media? Can't you just hear something and go, to you think to yourself, well, that was kind of dopey, but move on. No, it has to be. It has to be on social media. If you go out to breakfast and get a bagel and don't post a picture of it, you didn't really have a bagel. <laughs> Everything has to be on there these days. If you're hearing our show for the first time, we welcome you in. We want you to know that you can find out more about this radio ministry at our website, btgprogram.com. You can give us a follow on social media at btgprogram. I'm Benson. He's Barletta. This is the Beyond the Game program. Hey, it's Zach. If you're a fan of Unsolved Mysteries, Mythical Monsters, Murder Whodunits, or just podcasts in general, check out my other show, The Myths and Mysteries Podcast. Every two weeks, my brother Spencer and I tell fascinating stories about topics like the Bermuda Triangle, JFK's assassination, chupacabras, serial killers, and more. You can find us by searching for Myths and Mysteries on iTunes or Google Play or on our website, mythsandmysteriespod.com. Don't forget to click subscribe and leave us a review to let us know what you think. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Myths Podcast. So go check out the Myths and Mysteries podcast, and we'll see you next time. Let me talk to you about something important. Let's face it, sometimes life hurts, and it can be especially painful for young people. But thankfully, God heals. Hope Church in Greece is offering a 12-week program called Life Hurts, God Heals. This program is intended to help students who are dealing with painful struggles due to such things as divorce, depression, addictions, eating disorders, abuse, self-injury, and more. Hundreds of students from the ages of 12 to 22 have been given tools to help overcome life's difficulties through this program, and many lives have been changed. Life Hurts, God Heals is offered on Sundays from 1.30 until 3 p.m. at the Auditorium Theater, and of course, It's absolutely free of charge. For more information, please visit the church's website, sharethehope.org, 
or call the church office at 585-723-4673. That's 585-723-4673 and ask for Jill. Welcome back into the Beyond the Game program. Rick Benson, Zach Barletta, and you on a wonderful Saturday morning, although we're recording this outside our normal recording hours. So Zach Barletta is not here. We have an in-studio guest, and it is a a little bit of a unique thing for us here on the Beyond the Game program, but it is it is very special to have you here. Pastor Mike Metzger is a longtime friend of myself and Zach. He is also a pastor at First Bible Baptist Church in Hilton, New York, where he's been for a, a long, long time. And with the conclusion of the AAA Rochester Red Wings baseball season here a few weeks ago, it also brought to an end 35 years of Pastor Mike serving as the chaplain for the Red Wings. He joins us here in the BTG studio. Pastor Mike, thanks so much for being with us this morning. Thanks, Rick, for having me today. It's a blessing. I mentioned it's it's been a long time. How long has it been that you've been on staff at First Bible in Hilton? Uh, I'm starting my 38th year Wow, on staff. 38 years at First Bible, 35 years with the Rochester Red Wings. This is an era when people, as you know, they don't stay in jobs very they long. Don't. They move around. You've served in these positions for 30-some years, and you my understanding is you were the longest tenured guy at baseball chapel prior to to your retirement. There was one other guy in Louisville who was as equal as mine and he retired at the same time. Oh, no kidding. In those 35 years, you must have some incredible stories and I know a few of them and I've seen the videos that people have sent in part of your retirement. Is there one particular God story that maybe has impacted you and uh, maybe even left you surprised by what God has done. Yeah, when uh, I first got into baseball chapel, um, I met Bobby Bonner through a testimony night we had in our youth group. And I met with him the next day, and he said, I don't know the Bible. Could you help me learn the Bible? And so I began to meet with him. That was prior to having anything with baseball chapel. The Red Wings couldn't have chapel because the farm director saw some of the guys having chapel and wanted them on the field, and so he canceled chapel from AAA down all the way to the minors. And so Bobby and I started getting together, and then several of the other players wanted to get together. But to see what's happened to Bobby Bonner, to have him um, leave baseball in 84, he retired. He went to North Star Bible Institute. He started working in our Christian school. Then he went on a missions trip and believed that God called him to go to Africa. And Bobby went to Africa for many years, I think 20-plus years. And he's seen thousands of people come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. Started over 800, 900 churches. Mm. And it's just to to know that I was on the ground floor of that, helping him to develop and grow in his faith. I had no idea. So I have a lot of those people who are my great-great-grandchildren in Christ, so to speak, because of um, taking the time to develop someone and help them grow in their faith. Amazing. I, I know many of the lives that have been impacted, You, myself included, being one of them. In your time as chapel leader with the Red Wings, God just has touched so many lives, as you just shared, Bobby being one, and as a result of Bobby's work, hundreds and thousands, uh, many more. Knowing you as I do, you'll 
you're so humble. I, I'm sure this makes you uncomfortable yeah, even talking yeah. about it, but bragging on God for a minute, not so much yourself. What, what are you most proud of in 35 years that you were able to work with the Red Wings? The legacy that I've seen happen through ministering to these men has just been incredible. We had a discipleship uh, conference. Mark Brown became the pastor of the church in Kansas City. He was the youth pastor after he was here, and we mentored him. He was a pitcher for the Red Wings and the Twins and the Orioles. And so Mark had me out there, and I didn't know it. I'm teaching on discipleship. And he had Steve Sisko, Wade Rowden, Mickey Weston also there. Mm. And so here I am, and Bobby Bonner is on his staff as the associate pastor. So I had five of the players that I invested in be there at the conference with me. And every one of them are in full-time Christian ministry today. And it's just so humbling to just see how God has used me to develop these guys in the Lord and and then have them go out into all the world and preach the gospel. It's just amazing to me. That's something, isn't it? Two former Red Wings, Bobby Bonner, Mark Brown, guys that you disciple, guys that you poured your life into, on staff, pastoring a church in Kansas City together. That's, that's an amazing testimony in it's itself. Like... Wow. Pastor Mike Metzger is with us here in studio on the Beyond the Game program. In addition to his role as pastor at First Bible Baptist Church in Hilton, he recently retired after 35 years with the Rochester Red Wings, serving as their chaplain. Many in our audience may not be aware, Mike, of what a chapel leader does, what it entails. Can you share with us what, what's a day look like? And especially the day, it goes more beyond that. I know you and your wife invested throughout the week in these ballplayers. What's the life of a chaplain for a team? Okay, on Sunday mornings, I get to the ballpark probably about 10 o'clock, and then I, I check with uh, the chapel leader of the team, who, who there were a couple of them this year because we had so many trades, and then they tell me what they're doing on the field and when chapel will be. So we schedule chapel, and then I go to the visiting side, and I find out when they want to have chapel. And then um, so we have chapel, and what that looks like is we have 10 to 15 minutes. The guys come in the room. I ask prayer requests of them, anything they want to share. And then I give them a lesson uh, about 10 to 15 minutes on some point that we want to get a point uh, across to their lives. And then I do the same thing in the visiting club. I invite them to come in also after that. And then I go in the umpire locker room, and sometimes there's three or four umpires. And we take prayer requests, and I share a couple of little things with them. Then during the week, we tried to have Bible studies. When we were with the Orioles, there was a lot more steadiness there, not so many up and down. And so we would have older players who had families. We would invest in their families. They would come over once a a homestand or twice a homestand. We'd have full-blown Bible studies for two hours. We'd serve them steak dinners, and we'd just have get a chance to know their families. And that was really an investment in watching them take off from there. So those are kind of things. And then any other crisis or problems come up. And during the game, sometime I would go to a game, pop in the locker room and just pray with somebody who's pitching that day or ask if there's anything or just meet with the guys after the game and fellowship with them. Some of the managers wouldn't want me in their locker room, but for the past several years, the managers have said, you have a carte blanche ticket into my locker room anytime you want to be there. The impact that you've had in some of these players' lives is, it's just so overwhelming because 
it's not just left there on the ball field. It's not just left there. You've had some of these guys staying in your basement. They've yes. lived in your yes. home for a period of time. Yes. That's that's incredible. Yeah. What's the biggest change that you've seen in Baseball Chapel over your 35 years? When we first started, it was very disorganized, and uh, um, they didn't pay a lot of attention to things. So I ran it. I got a um, – I Bobby Bonner asked me if there was a place that the players could play basketball. And so I went there, and there was the clubhouse guy from the visiting club, and he asked, do you know anything about chapel or preaching to the players? I go, no. He goes, you wouldn't want to do it, would you? And I said, of course I would. And that's how I got started. Um, but there wasn't any real organized thing. And several years later, all of a sudden, Vince Noss was working in the office of baseball, um, Major League Baseball, and then he took on the, the job of being the head of Baseball Chapel. It became highly organized. Um, baseball Chapel is no, now recognized by Major League Baseball. It's uh, sanctioned by them. It's in every ballpark all around the world. Every Sunday morning somewhere in the world, there's a chapel going on talking about Jesus Christ and the Bible. So it's amazing how things have really progressed and grown over the years. Your wife has ministered alongside you for every one of those 35 mm -hmm. years, and I'm fully aware of how wonderful she is. I mean, who who has met Louise Metzger that doesn't love <laughs> Louise Metzger? But can you share with our listeners what uh, that partnership and ministry has meant to you and, and what role she's played over the years? She stepped in and mentored a lot of the ladies who are going through struggles with baseball because call-ups sent down, you know, families out of town. And so one in particular sticks in my in my brain of what happened. But um, um, we got to know Mark and Cheryl Brown really well. Matter of fact, they helped us. Um, they were newly married, and so they helped us with babysitting our new son, Darren. And and then all of a sudden, Cheryl became pregnant. And um, when my wife mentored her, discipled her, and when it came time for Victoria to be born, um, she asked Louise to come in the labor room with her because my wife has never experienced a, a live birth um, herself because we adopted. And so Cheryl asked my wife rather than her own mother to come wow. into the delivery room. And so Louise was there for delivery of every one of the brown babies, and it was very special. She's an amazing woman. You yes. are my my daughter's middle name is is Louise. <laughs> I think it was Red Wings general manager Dan Mason who said that when former players ask him about guys he still sees, they always ask about Mike Metzger. What an amazing testimony to the impact that you've had on those players. What did you do differently, Mike, that they are so affected and impacted by you? I've gotten to know them and go out of my way to make sure everything's okay. And and uh, Gary Larder is the on the board of directors of Red Wing Baseball, and he's a Christian. And so he's been my silent prayer partner. He's a very quiet man, but I know he prays for me every day. And so just being friendly to the players, going up and introducing myself to all the staff and just being there for them, it's just who I am. I I have that huge smile because I have the joy of the Lord, and they just are attracted by that and and just um, seek me out, so to speak, and which is a blessing. Well, you're so genuine, Mike, and people pick up on that sincerity right away, which is why anybody I know who knows you, well, they love Pastor Mike. 
If any of our listeners were at Frontier Field the day the Red Wings honored you at your retirement, gave you that plaque, they played clips of a video, and you've played for me the longer version, where player after player after player that they had who said a few words, guys like Brian Dozier, Denard Spann, Bobby Mark, you mentioned, so many people, Mickey Weston, who were impacted by you because of your decision to place your faith and trust at one time in Jesus Christ. Can you tell us about that for a minute? How is it that you first came to know Jesus as your Savior? Um, Louise uh, wanted to talk to me. We were dating in high school, and she wanted to talk to me. And we uh, went up in the band room, and she asked me if I died today, I would go to heaven. And of course, because of my religion, I believed I was going to heaven. And so I said, I know where I'm going. And she goes, that's good. But do you really know? And then for six months, she began to share with me the Bible and to where it got really annoying to me. And, uh, <laughs> finally, I just said, listen, if you think it's so important, quote it to me rather than show it to me. And she quoted to me. I, I really thought back then she knew the whole Bible by heart <laughs> and by memory. But uh, finally, after a while, I realized that I didn't have what she had. And so uh, June 15th, 1971, at 8.30, in front of a gold couch facing northwest in a house on the corner of Cabot and Maiden Lane in Rochester, New York, I bowed my head and asked Jesus Christ to be my Savior. And if you had told me um, that someday I'd be preaching to ballplayers in major league ballparks, um, I would have laughed in your face. But uh, God has taken me down this path. It's been awesome. One of my best memories, if I can share that, is um, I went to Baltimore years ago when they were in the old stadium, and uh, they asked the chapel leader asked if I would do chapel, and so I did chapel with the Orioles, and it was exciting. And then he said to me, "I got something else to do. You wouldn't mind going over and do the chapel for the Yankees, would you?" And so I go, "No, I guess I can do the chapel. Just point me in the direction." And so I went over and. In the locker room, and I happened to walk in the door, and right there was a catcher who had been in my living room for Bible study uh, two weeks prior. And he got called up, and he goes, what are you doing here? I go, what are you doing here? And he goes, are you doing chapel day? I go, yeah. He goes, I'm going to get all the guys to come. And so at that chapel, 23 of the New York Yankees came to chapel, and the only one that wasn't there was Don Mattingly because he was having a treatment. And four Yankees came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. That morning. That morning. Unbelievable. And it's just a, just a, if you would have told me, I'd be doing that. Darren one said, time said to me in, in when we were at the Orioles game, he said, Dad, you ever think in your wildest dreams that you'd go into a major league locker room and open the Bible and tell players about Jesus? And I said, never in my wildest dreams. Yeah, I probably shouldn't share this, but you, you shared the story with me about a guy who was trying to get Clint Hurdle's attention, and he's yelling out, and yet finally he yells the name Mike Metzger, and, and he turns around. You know, they know that name throughout baseball. That, that's that got to be special to it's you. It's interesting. Um, Johnny Gibbons is the manager of uh, the Toronto Blue Jays. He's been in my living room. Clint Hurdle was there the day that I found out that Darren was born and we were going to get a new baby. And uh, so several of those guys who are in the big leagues now just have been a very special part of our life. Jerry Naren, Johnny Oates, um, they're just very the special. The list we go, we'd be here all day yeah, if you exactly. went down, down that list. How can we pray for you, Mike? Just pray that God would continue to use me in people's lives and I could keep discipling people and see the fruit. Um, and this is what heaven's going to be like. That video that they showed, 
I, I picture what heaven will be like um, when it's revealed, the impact you have on people's lives. You never know. You, you just mm. work to invest, and you never know what the outcome will be. That's Pastor Mike Metzger from First Bible Baptist Church in Hilton joining us in studio here on the Beyond the Game program. Retired after 35 years with the Rochester Ray. What, what now? I, listen, I know you. You're the busiest, hardest working man I know. So there is nothing. Your time is still going to be allocated. Yes. But any ideas what you'll do to replace the time with the Red Wings? Well, I told Kevin Johnson is the clubhouse manager for the Red, Rochester Red Wings. And he said, listen, you better come down this locker room. <laughs> and so Dan Mason has said anytime, you know, the head of security said, you're always welcome here. So I still will be probably going down and meeting players and getting to know them and stuff like Mm. that. But there's a lot of things I still do. I'm still counseling. I'm still investing in people. So it'll what a life. What what an impact just to hear those people. You better come down to the locker room. You better come. It's a privilege to sit here. I am so glad. I know this was uncomfortable for you. (laughs) You don't like talking about yourself, but what a story that you have of what God has done in a life of a life around baseball. I always said to my wife, how does Mike Metzger get called to the baseball field? An amazing <laughs> story. So thank you for coming in. Thanks, Thanks for being Rick. with us. Appreciate it. I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. Hey, it's Zach. If you're a fan of Unsolved Mysteries, Mythical Monsters, Murder Whodunits, or just podcasts in general, check out my other show, The Myths and Mysteries Podcast. Every two weeks, my brother Spencer and I tell fascinating stories about topics like the Bermuda Triangle, JFK's assassination, chupacabras, serial killers, and more. You can find us by searching for Myths and Mysteries on iTunes or Google Play or on our website, mythsandmysteriespod.com. Don't forget to click subscribe and leave us a review to let us know what you think. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Myths Podcast. So go check out the Myths and Mysteries Podcast, and we'll see you next time. When I have a home remodeling project, whether interior or exterior, I call McAfee's Remodeling Company. Family-owned for nearly two decades, McAfee's Remodeling Company is the name I trust. Mike McAfee put a new bathroom into my house three years ago, and I'm still getting compliments on it every time someone comes over to visit. Mike and his crew are experienced and professional, and you'll be thrilled with their work. So give McAfee's Remodeling Company a call today at 402-1070. That's 402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. Welcome back into the Beyond the Game program, mixing sports with faith. Beyond the Game is recorded in the BTG studios in Rochester, New York. You can find us on the web, btgprogram.com, or on social media, at btgprogram. We are glad to have you along for the hour. And if you're joining us late, you can always go back and listen to our podcast. It's available on our website, as well as on iTunes and Google Play. Each week, listeners from all over the world and across the United States have the program automatically downloaded to their favorite device. Last week alone, almost 20% of our downloads were from international locations. Japan, England, Ireland, Australia, France, and Canada, all making the list. And if my math is correct, and it is, by the way, 
That means about 80% of podcast listeners of the BTG program were from these great United States of America, places like Chattanooga, Tennessee. The home offices of SCORE International are located there, and it is the home of former Major League pitcher Don Gordon, who we will hear from a little later in the program. The University of Tennessee at Chattanooga is where the football great Terrell Owens not only played football, but also basketball and track. Chattanooga is the birthplace of Reformed theologian and great preacher John Piper. It is also the birthplace of Laurie Petty, who played Kit Keller in the film A League of Their Own. Also born in Chattanooga is Jackie Mitchell, who actually was a female pitcher and who was signed professionally by the Chattanooga Lookouts and who, in an exhibition game against the New York Yankees on April 2, 1932, at the age of 16, is said to have struck out Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig in order. A few days later, baseball commissioner Kennesaw Mountain Landis conveniently voided her contract, saying that baseball was too strenuous for women to play. Mitchell would continue to play professionally for a few more years, though, barnstorming with the House of David, which was a team that was known for their very long hair, and very long beards. Chattanooga is also the birthplace of the late Reggie White. The great minister of defense grew his faith in Christ in part by getting involved with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes while at the University of Tennessee. Because of some statements, though, that he made calling homosexuality a sin, CBS rescinded a contract offer after he retired a fairly large contract offer to be part of the NFL Today pregame program, so there's fair warning that Speaking the truth from the Word of God is not always going to be popular, and it may in fact cost you, but that doesn't change the fact that it is still in fact the truth. Thanks for listening, Chattanooga, and thank you wherever you may be. It's now time to hand things over to Zach for this week's shenanigan statements. Let's start with the question that everyone here in Western New York is asking this week. Truth or shenanigans coming off back-to-back wins over Denver and Atlanta, the 3-1 and Buffalo Bills are a legit playoff team. You know, I agree, though I have to admit I'm not completely confident in that response because it's not like it's going to come easy. They have to continue playing well, but I think they can. They've played real well. Those wins over Denver and Atlanta were games that I had counted as losses, mm-hmm. and I saw the Bills as an 8-8 eight and eight football team with those two games as losses. Well, now if those are switched to wins, this could very well be a 10-win team, a 9-win team, mm-hmm. based on the schedule that I saw at the beginning of the season. Uh, very real possibility of getting into the playoffs. Yeah, I'm starting to think so as well, so I'll agree. Um, you know, everyone talked, ourselves included, before the season about how tough the Bills' schedule was. And outside of the Patriots games that they're going to play, this was the toughest stretch of the schedule. And they just won the two toughest non-Patriots games on the schedule. And the rest of the schedule is not too bad. You still got the, the Jets again. You've got the Dolphins twice. You've got the Colts at home. You've got the Saints at home. You've got, uh, not, not a bad schedule at all. And, you know, I had them at six and 10. I will gladly eat my words if they can be a 10 win team. So I agree. I think they can be a playoff team. Staying within the AFC East, the two and two New York Jets will stay ahead of the Dolphins in the standings for the rest of the season. Ah, shenanigans on that. The Dolphins were hampered even before the season start by losing their quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, for the season. That hurts. The Jets have played surprisingly well. In fact, with those two wins, they've already got one or two wins more than many people thought they'd have for the entire (laughs) season. But I contend the Dolphins are still deeper. I think they're better. And as the season rolls on, the Jets will take their rightful place for this season anyhow behind everyone else in the AFC East. I agree with you. Uh, a shenanigans to the statement. Um, 
the Dolphins are a better team. They have a lot more talent than the Jets. And remember, the Dolphins are actually trying to win games where the Jets are trying to draft a quarterback. <laughs> so um, I think over the course of the long rest of the remaining season, things will shake out to where they're supposed to be, and the Jets will be at the bottom of the division. The Browns, Giants, and Chargers are the NFL's three 0-4 teams, which obviously puts them on a pace to pick at the top of next year's draft. So truth or shenanigans, despite the Browns having second-runder Deshaun Kaiser and the Giants and Chargers having Eli Manning and Phillip Rivers respectively, at least one of those teams will surprise everyone by drafting a quarterback. What do you think, man? I think so. Um, something that I've been talking about a lot with other Bills fans as we've been talking about the quarterback prospects and the draft coming up and stuff is that there's a lot of quarter, a lot of teams that have aging quarterbacks or um, are going to lose their quarterback soon. Uh, teams that might need to start cleaning house, firing coaches, um, and rebuilding. And I think at least one of these teams could be. I, I think you might see the Giants go that route. Um, as, you know, they're a winless team. Their, their odds of making the playoffs are already extremely small. You might see McAdoo gone. You might, I don't think they would cut Eli, but you never know. I think at least one of these teams is going to start looking to the future. Yeah, I agree with you. And I call shenanigans actually on the statement because of the way it was worded that it would be a surprise. I don't think it'd be much of a surprise. I'm not sure the Browns would pick a quarterback at this point, but I think both Rivers and Manning are older quarterbacks. At some point, both those teams need to consider Mm -hmm. getting a replacement for those guys. So what better time than when you have a high draft pick? So, you know, this would seem to be the time, but I don't think the Giants will end up getting that high in the draft. I realize that at 0-4, their their shot at a playoffs is, is... Really, it seems crazy to say this early in the season, but I think they have a long shot at this point mm-hmm. at 0-1-4. I mean, history yeah. would show that. But I still don't think they'll be that high in the draft where they're looking at a number one pick unless they're going to tank the season. Yeah. The one thing I think would keep the Giants from taking a quarterback early is that they really need as many offensive linemen as they can get. So maybe they go that way. Speaking of drafting quarterbacks, Deshaun Watson and the Texans are 2-2. Two and two in a three-way tie for first in the AFC South. So truth or shenanigans, Watson and the Texans will win the division and head to the playoffs. You know, I say shenanigans, but I have been big on the Texans for a couple of seasons now, and though I'm not as big on them this year as I have been, I still like them for a playoff spot. I originally had the Titans winning the division, and I've yet to be convinced that that still won't happen, but it should be an interesting race between these two teams. Yeah, I, I could see it happening. I, I really don't want to say either way they will or won't because, like you, I had picked the Titans first and I had picked the Texans for second. I think it's going to hinge on the health of Marcus Mariota. If, as people are saying, he only misses maybe one week, the Titans will be fine. If Mariota is out for an extended period of time with this injury and we're looking at Matt Castle and Brandon Whedon, the Texans jump the Titans easily and become the first place team. Yeah, I'd agree with that. We're accustomed to seeing well-pitched, low-scoring games in the Major League Baseball postseason, but after seeing all four aces in the two wildcard games get bombed, we're in for a lot more scoring in this year's playoffs. Uh, You know, shenanigans. Admittedly, the scoring came as a surprise, but remember, these are the two two wildcard games. While they're talented... The best pitching is on the roster of the division winners. Mm -hmm. Because of the young, powerful hitters on these teams, we may well see an uptick in offense, but I don't think it'll be significant enough to change the fact that pitching still wins in the postseason. Agreed. Um, We'll see a little bit of uptick, I'm sure, from the traditional level of scoring that we've seen in the playoffs, just because everyone's scoring more runs these days. 
But look at the rotations. Look at that Washington rotation, that Cubs rotation, that Indians rotation. The Diamondbacks are good. They're uh, the Dodgers. There's a lot of good pitching in this postseason, and I find it hard to believe that they're all going to get hit around the way that we saw in those wild card games. One of my biggest and really only complaints about Major League Baseball's postseason is that so many games are carried on cable channels, which means that cord cutters can't watch them. This year, however, Hulu is streaming some games, so truth or shenanigans within the next few years will be able to eventually watch the entire postseason streaming online. What are your thoughts? I think so. Um, just because it's so widespread. I mean, you can watch games on Facebook now. Amazon streams them. Uh, who, like, now we're saying Hulu. Um, th- so many people are getting into the streaming arena that I think eventually we're going to have our pick of where we want to watch games. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. I agree with the statement. I I think that's where television as a whole is heading with the popularity of streaming and on-demand video. I, I think that's the way the networks stand to make the most money and we'll eventually see some form of completely a la carte programming choices with those choices being made available at home as well as on any of your devices. So, yeah, I, I agree. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk with Don Gordon former Major League pitcher, good friend of the program, who will be here in Brockport, New York, next weekend for a couples conference. I'm Benson. He's Barletta. This is the Beyond the Game program. Hey, it's time for the Red Hawks Report for this week, October 7th, 2017. The Red Hawks Report is being brought to you by Roberts Wesleyan College. A rough couple of days for the various Roberts athletics teams this past week. Last Friday, the women's tennis team defeated Alderson Broadus University 9-zip. The Red Hawks being aided by 8-0 victories at number one singles by Anthabi Magapati, number two singles by Andrea Gallardo, and at number five singles by Salome Darcelia. After that, though, unfortunately, it was all downhill as the women's tennis team followed that win with a Saturday loss to the University of the District of Columbia 5-4. Also on Saturday, LIU Post swept the Red Hawks soccer teams, besting the women 5-1 and the men 4-1. And the women's volleyball team fell to Pace University 3-1. Then on Wednesday, it was Damon College sweeping the Roberts soccer teams. The women lost yet another one-goal game by a score of 1-0 on the road. The women are now 1-9-1, with six of those losses being by just one goal. The men were home to take on Damon, though they suffered the same result by a 2-1 margin. The lone Roberts goal being scored by senior midfielder Scott Carson. Come on out and cheer the Red Hawks women's soccer team as they'll be home for their next two games. They'll host St. Thomas Aquinas College later today. That's October 7th at 1 p.m. Then they'll be home again next Saturday the 14th, taking on Queens College also at 1 p.m. The men's schedule practically mirrors the ladies, only their start times will be 3.30, both later today against St. Thomas Aquinas College, and then again next Saturday the 14th against Queens College. The men's tennis team will be hosting Lemoyne College on Tuesday at 4 p.m., and the women's volleyball team will return home next Friday night at 7 p.m. to take on Queens College, and will follow that up with a noontime match next Saturday the 14th, hosting Malloy College. That's your only opportunities to catch the Red Hawks at home in the upcoming week. For more information on Roberts Wesleyan Athletics, including scores, highlights, and more, visit their website, robertsredhawks.com. And you can follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter at RWC Red Hawks. This has been the Red Hawks Report presented by Roberts Wesleyan College.
Do you know an athlete whose participation in athletics is vital to their college choice? Then consider telling them about Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We field 17 varsity sports and offer the only NCAA D2 program in Greater Rochester. Our teams have won six conference titles and reached three NCAA national championship appearances. Help the athlete you know to take their game to the next level. Visit roberts.edu. Rick Benson, Zach Barletta taking you through the hour here on the Beyond the Game program. You know, Grace Baptist Church in Brockport, New York, is holding their couples conference next weekend. That's October 13th through the 15th. And if you live in Brockport, New York, or the Rochester, New York area, I'd strongly encourage you to attend this event. There's no cost to you, though I'm sure the church would like to know you're coming so that they can plan appropriately. And if you can make it, give them a call, 585-637-2470. That's 585 637 2470, and just let them know you plan to come. But if you didn't go, because Pastor Matt there is a Philadelphia sports fan, and he roots for teams like the Eagles and the Flyers, I would get it. But here's why you want to go. Their guest speaker is Don Gordon. He's a good friend of mine, but he has a heart for marriages. He has a heart for seeing Christian couples growing closer to Christ together And I don't think you want to miss hearing him speak if you have the opportunity. He used to pitch professionally for the Cleveland Indians, the Toronto Blue Jays, a couple other organizations. He's currently a missionary serving with SCORE International as their international baseball director. He joins us now on the BTG studio line once again. Don, thanks for being part of the show. Good morning. Great to talk to you. Oh, man, Rick. I love you, buddy, and just appreciate what you're doing. You're, you know, the saying is the world is run by busy people, and you're definitely one of those. <laughs> well, no I'm busier than you, brother. And, well, I appreciate it. I appreciate your perspective and your heart to, to do what's right. Thanks, man. You know, it's been a little while since you've been with us here on the show. What's new with SCORE, and what have you been up to? Well, um, I'm, I'm just trying to stay out of trouble. I'm trying to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. And I'm trying to love my wife and my family and obviously love Jesus first. If I love Jesus properly, then I'm going to love everybody else properly. <laughs> well said. And and SCORE is, is doing tremendous. I believe SCORE is getting better and better and better. And, you know, we take between five and 7,000 people overseas or domestically, you know, especially with the hurricanes now and all that. But but, you know, really, we're trying to be really good at what we do versus expand even more. We're trying to not just maintain, but be excellent. And uh, we're just thankful that, you know, through SCORE, you know, God has planted many churches and, and uh, staffed with, you know, quality biblical leadership. And, and so that's that's a highlight for me. Love the GAP program. And we have just a great board of pastors and godly men, you know, that, that have a lot of experience, but most of all, love the Lord, love his word. So we're thankful. Yeah, Score International is a favorite ministry of mine. For those listeners who don't know you, Don, I just want to say that you have a way of speaking that is very relatable. It's very sincere. Your heart for investing in people is just so apparent. And I really suggest that even if any of our listeners have a chance, even if it's just a Sunday morning service, get on out to Grace Baptist of Brockport and meet Don. That being said, 
Has God laid anything on your heart in particular that you plan to share with the people when you're here in Brockport? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, Matt Combs, the pastor, and I, we've been friends for, for a while, and we're always trying to find excuses to spend time together, so this is a great excuse <laughs> to, <laughs> to, to do that, but but my heart is my whole life is is revolves around doing what Jesus asked us to do. And Jesus said, "Go into the world and make disciples." And so I'm not real smart, but when I was a baseball player, when the coach told me to go do something, I just did it. If he said run ten sprints, I ran ten sprints. If he told me to come in the game, I went in the game. <laughs> I didn't question what the coach asked me to do. And so Jesus is asking us to do that. I'm not sure I'm any good at it, Rick. But, but that's what I'm doing. And then secondly, my second passion is to do biblical marriage counseling. And all that is, is another form of making disciples. It's, it's bringing God's word to bear on people's issues, whether good, bad, neutral, whatever. And so, so the church in Brockport asked me to come do a marriage conference, which, you know, that's, that's a sweet spot for me. So I'm, I'm excited to, present what God says about marriage, and, and people are going to be blessed and encouraged. We're talking with missionary Don Gordon, former Major League pitcher, current international baseball director with SCORE International. Don will be the guest speaker next weekend at Grace Baptist Church in Brockport. Their couples conference is taking place. He'll also be speaking on Sunday morning. They're located at 5220 Lake Road South in Brockport, and I do believe you would be encouraged, you would be edified by being part of this event. Uh, whatever part of the weekend schedule that you can be, call the church office again, as I said, 585-637-2470. Let them know you're going to be a part. Don, you do a great deal of counseling, both proactively and reactively. Probably see a lot of people dealing with similar issues, I would suppose. What are some of the biggest challenges, in your opinion, facing young Christian couples in what I guess would be called today's post-Christian culture? Yeah, um, you know, I would say, um, you know, when, when someone stands at the altar, typically there's, you know, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, for sick in sickness and health. And, you know, most kids, when they get married, you know, in their mid-20s, or now it's getting a little bit later, closer to 30, but they never think they're going to be sick. They never think they're going to be poor. They never think it's going to be worse. I mean, we're Americans. I mean, it's, it's, you know, everything's going to be great. So when those, when that adversity strikes, and it does for all of us at very different levels, you know, people tend to, couples tend to cannibalize each other, change the other person into my image versus saying, Hey, how can we, you know, look at this issue and work through this in a healthy, godly way and and find a solution versus attack each other and and some other things i i would say rick to be brutally honest i think it's tougher for younger couples today because of um i mean just to buy a house or, or a car or to have health insurance um typically younger people don't need it as much but but it's good to have dental you know eyes i mean it's a lot of pressure on young people. I don't know how they do it, actually. You know, and we, I'm 57. We've been married 34 years, and you know, we still find it challenging <laughs> in some of those areas. But young people really, really have some challenges. Young people today seem very different than their parents just a generation ago. I think that's especially apparent when it comes to 
issues like the Bible, their views on church, their views on doctrinal issues. Mm -hmm. Do you think that today's young Christian couples view the sanctity of marriage differently than people did just a generation ago? You know, I, they, they don't because, um, you know, sanctity, I've heard it defined as, you know, holiness of life and character. And, and so, um, most likely, um, you know, a lot of young couples that call themselves Christians have not seen it really modeled, um, in a way in their homes that they grew up in. I mean, what is it? 60% of homes in America are without a man in the home. Okay. So, so really there's no, there's no model. Um, they don't really know how to seek God when issues arise and when issues aren't there and they don't know how to apply God's word. So I don't know if it's, it's not being taught or they're just not listening, but, but typically, um, I don't think they really, they, they see marriage more as this is going to make me happy versus how can I serve my, my spouse and love my spouse even when they're not lovable. And so it's all about them, so to speak, and my happiness. They just go into it, um, with a wrong expectation. I'll, I'll ask couples all the time. And these are good, good, good young people that love God, that come from good families. I'll say, what is the purpose of marriage? And you, you get the blank stare, you know. But the, but the bigger question is, what is God's purpose for marriage? And then we go into, you know, what, what the Lord says in his word about what marriage really is. And that, that's helpful. A number of studies suggest, Don, that the divorce rate among Christian couples is the same as non-church couples. Obviously a very troubling statistic. Why do you think that is? And is there anything church leaders can do to reverse that trend? Unfortunately, I believe that statistic is true. It's, it, it, the divorce rate is equal, quote unquote, in Christendom as it is in secular society. And, um, and I don't think it's, you know, it takes rocket science to figure all that out. Um, people really, when it comes right down to it, I'm going to do things my way. I'm going to do what I know, even if it's wrong versus humble myself and submit myself to what God says to do. Um, you know, Paul Beeston, when he was the president of the Toronto Blue Jays, he asked me in spring training recently, he said, Don, what's your success rate? And, you know, and I said, my success rate? <laughs> and I said, Paul, I said, it's 100% successful when the couples, or at least one of the two, say, I'm going to humble myself, I'm going to empty myself and submit myself to what God is asking me to do in my difficult circumstances. And when, when that happens, Rick, God uses that one individual, and if there's two, it's even better, to say, hey, I'm going to use you now to impact your spouse because of because your heart is right with me. Okay, now a secular person's not going to understand that, but that's where that's where God is really there to help with our problems and our issues. You know, everybody knows Romans eight twenty eight. All things work together for good for those that love God that are called according to His purpose. But many people don't know Romans eight twenty nine, which says you know, that we would be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And so that's good, that's bad, that's ugly, that's difficult things, that's good things. It's all things work together for good.
for the purpose of being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. So, so I believe, Rick, that marriage is the arena that God uses the most because you have two sinners under the same roof trying to love each other, trying to live life together, trying to figure it out, raise kids, have a job, deal with all the stuff. Okay. God uses that. Okay. As we humble ourselves and put the other person first to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. That's God's goal, okay? And that's a goal that we all really want. We just don't know it many times. And we we just think that we're the center of the world and my spouse should be serving me versus me serving my spouse, even when, again, when they're not lovable. How can we pray for you in advance of the conference? Well, um, you know, I would just pray that, that uh, God would bring the people there that really um, have a humble heart that are seeking help. You know, even if they don't want to be there, if they come kicking and screaming, that's great. You know, I just did a marriage conference for our missionaries in the Dominican Republic. We have about 30 missionaries there, and we hit our knees before the conference. And I'll tell you, the presence of God and the Spirit of God was was definitely felt in that in that room as we as we opened up his word and as we talked about marriage and the response was just great you know you know just pray that people would understand rick that marriage is bigger than themselves it's not just about us and our happiness but it's about god's holiness and and that they would come with teachable open hearts and um, really see what god has to say about what marriage really is and this conference in Brockport, their couples conference coming up next weekend, this isn't simply for marriages that are in trouble. This is for anybody, correct? Right. Yeah, I invite divorced, widows, singles, because all it is is no matter where you know where you are in life, it's you know whether you're single, widowed, divorced, you know what have you, and you're married, things are going great, things aren't going great, it doesn't matter. This is what God says about marriage. You know, in the Old Testament, he married Israel. In the New Testament, you know, he called out a bride for himself called the church. The metaphor of marriage is all throughout Scripture. Why is that? You know, because because it's bigger than us, and, and he wants to use us to portray his holiness in the world and to glorify himself, and we benefit from that. So I'm not sure if that answered that question, but <laughs> it's a good sermon. <laughs> you didn't ask me to do this, but missionaries such as yourself, you're doing God's work full-time. That means you have no job yet. It means you have no regularly set income. And I know you go all over the world, all over the world, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, of course, that costs money. So what can our audience do to help you financially? How do they help you? Well, thank you so much, Rick. That's um, unexpected. I appreciate you bringing that up. But, yeah, we do live by faith. And what that means is we, we ask God to provide for us as we do his work. I think it was George Mueller that said, God's work done God's way will receive God's supply. And I would ask your audience if they would pray and ask God to continue to provide for us. And and God might want to use one of them to, to help us if, if he puts that on their heart. But I would say most importantly that they would pray that God would continue to provide for us like he has for 30 years. 
Don, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for your ministry with SCORE International. I hope to see you not only next weekend here in Brockport, but I'll see you next month in the Dominican Republic. Thanks, Rick. I look forward to our time. I always do. That's Don Gordon joining us here on the Beyond the Game program. Don will be the guest speaker next weekend. That's October 13th through the 15th in Brockport, New York at Grace Baptist Church's Couples Conference. He will also be bringing the message there next Sunday morning. They're located at 5220 Lake Road South in Brockport, and I know you would not only enjoy, you'd be blessed by hearing his heart. You really would. There's no cost for the event, as I said, but I'm sure if you'd let them know, they'd appreciate it. You don't have to let them know about coming Sunday morning, of course, to church, but they'd like to know if you're going to be part of the couples conference. Give Pastor Matt at the church office a call, 585-637-2470. That's 585-637-2470. Visit their website, gracebrockport.org. Oh, and when you get Pastor Matt on the phone, tell him, go Giants, go Bills, whoever your team is, so long as it's not the Eagles. I'm sure he'd appreciate that. I'm Rick Benson. When we get back, we'll wrap up this week's show by telling you what it is that we like this week. This is the Beyond the Game program. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College, where athletics are fundamental to our commitment to educate for character. Our athletic program is strong and getting stronger every year. We offer 17 varsity sports, from lacrosse and basketball to track and field and soccer, and the only Division II athletic program in the area. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Time to close things out on this week's Beyond the Game broadcast. Proverbs 19.17 says that one who is gracious to a poor man lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his good deed. Former Pro Bowl linebacker Sean Merriman, who played for the San Diego Chargers and, of course, the Buffalo Bills, was an avid NASCAR fan, heavily involved in the sport. In fact, Merriman is the owner of a NASCAR K&N Pro Series West car, which is sponsored by his clothing line Lights Out and driven by one of very few black drivers in the sport. In an effort to see the sport he enjoys so much become more diverse, Merriman treated 100 students aged 8 to 16 from his home state of Maryland to a day at the racetrack as part of his Lights Out Drive Youth Initiative. Many of the group who were at the Dover International Speedway this past weekend were from the inner city where they don't often experience or have much interest in NASCAR. Sean Merriman's kindness and generosity in sharing something he loves with children who are less fortunate is what I like like this week. What I like this week was former Chargers quarterback Ryan Leaf and his fiance welcoming a healthy baby boy into the world this week and naming him MacGyver. Congratulations to the couple on having a healthy baby boy who will in the future be able to build an airplane out of a paperclip like and a human hair. Like well, that's all we got time for this week. This has been the Beyond the Game program. I want to say thank you to Don Gordon and Pastor Mike Metzger who were part of this week's show. We do hope you enjoyed it. We hope you were encouraged by what they had to say. Please stop by our website, btgprogram.com. You can find more information about the program. You can also listen to past broadcasts. But more importantly, you can find information on what it is to be a believer in Jesus Christ and know him as your personal Savior. And for those of you who may feel so led, you can also make a donation to our radio ministry right there at the website. 
It does take money, a great deal of money, in fact, to be able to put this program on the air so that we can present the gospel to listeners all around the world through Sports Talk Radio. We're needful, and we're grateful of your support. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at this same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody. 